So we're in Hebrews, and um, we're beginning Hebrews chapter 3. And so let's go to the Word first. Father God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it is without error, it is holy, that it is your Word. You spoke through men who you carried by your Holy Spirit. This is Theonoustos, God-breathed Word of God. So help us to be molded by it. Help us not to mold it into our own image, Lord, but let the opposite happen. Even now, through the preaching of your Word, that you promised would not return void, that it will accomplish what you mean for it to accomplish, Lord. The same sun that shines on the ice and melts it, shines on the clay and hardens it. We pray that your light... Your heat from your word would soften us, Lord. Make us more like Jesus when we live here so that people can say, maybe they're uneducated, but it looks like they've been around Jesus. So help us, Lord, to appear to others as if we've been around you. And we pray this in your holy name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So remember this for our context, the Hebrews was most likely written to a a little church, a small gathering of believers who were um, Jews, who had been um, worshiping in the synagogue with other Jewish people. They they come to a realization that Jesus Christ is is the Messiah, that he's the Lord. Um, And so they're worshiping him, and they're talking about him, and they're praising him, and eventually, and for a time, historically, we know these things. The, the Jews and the Christian Jews were able to worship together, but you can see how that would become increasingly a problem as the truths of Jesus Christ become pressed in more and more on the people. And so they were eventually kicked out, removed. And then the Christian church became a sect, a cult. And that gave Rome the ability to remove their um, political protection. So you no longer had the state in any way protecting a little group of, of brothers. And so they're kicked out of the synagogue. Family, friends, Jewish identity tied immensely in a way that we can't even really begin to imagine now. Culturally, to their church, their synagogue, to the, to the Jewish people, their people. And now they've been cut off. And so just that alone is enough to make them, <laughs> are you sure what we're doing is right? Yes. All right. And then there's plundering of their property. And there's harassment. And the book of Hebrews is written to this little church. And one of the things you keep in mind, historically we know that it probably wasn't long after this, Nero is elected, or I guess there was an election actually. Nero is Caesar and um, persecutes Christians horrifically in such a way that if we were to see it today, we'd be saying, surely this is the end of the world. It's, it's funny how many times in the history of the world, believers are saying this is the end of the world. Here we go again. Let's behave like the church. (laughs) Hear this the right way. Militant. Not the church defeated. Waiting for that. I wish I could 
Thank you. <laughs> That's the sound of the rapture, by the way. Um, they were going to be taken out of here. You know? I don't believe in a rapture. Let's get over that, okay? Let's think it through scripturally. If that sounds like heresy to you, then, you know, good thing you weren't around in the 1800s because you, you thought all preaching was heresy. We await the resurrection. We await, we await the resurrection. When I was in Russia, they would ask me, when, is the, when do you think <clears throat> the people there were telling them that the end of the world is going to come when all the Jewish people get back to Russia? Get back to Russia. Get back to Israel. And then she said to me, when do you think the end of the world is going to come? And in a rare moment of lucidity, I said, I don't know, but I know that when we die, that's the end of the world for us. So we better get things figured out and get it straight before we die. And I think that's true. We need to get things straight. We need to get things figured out. But the Christians under Nero are horrific. We have children in here, so I won't go into too much detail, you know. So now they'll be Googling it and can tell you all about it tomorrow, I'm sure. But, you know, it's terrible. And that was what was ahead for this church. And so this is written to them so that they can be ready for it. They're already going through tribulation. They're going to go through a great tribulation. And as they're going through it, they're going to need reinforcement. They're going to need sustenance. They're going to need something to get them through it. And so you have the Bible, but the Bible's in the process of being recorded, being written, being put down in, in written form. And then we have the book of Hebrews that comes first as a letter possibly to the small church and is just read to them as they're like, what's he going to tell us to do? How's he going to tell us to do it? And this is what we get. And this letter was written to encourage them, to give them right thinking about their faith. We always need right thinking about our faith in good times and in bad times, but in particularly in hard times, we need both encouragement and admonishment to stay on the right path. And I don't know if anyone's noticed, but we do seem to have a lot going on in the world recently. So we need encouragement and we need admonishment to stay on the right path. The problem is we've also needed encouragement and admonishment when we seem to be on the right path. But our feet so frequently wander from the right path. But we've seen looting and destruction and we rightly condemn it. But as followers of Christ, we have to remember that the tongue can be equally destructive our tongues can be equally destructive so what we'll do is we're going to hold our place here and before we go to our short passage here in in hebrews i want us to go to james chapter 3 and hear from the word of god and what i want you to do is just an imagery of your mind in your mind the symbolism that uh, from what God has given us about our tongues, I want you to picture when he's talking about certain things, the images we've seen on TV of people violently destroying things and setting things on fire. And I, and I don't want to give you too much of this before we go into the word, but picture this. That's your tongue. You just can't see it. Now, you might have other people in your life where you've seen busybodies and tongue waggers and see the problems they've caused in your life. Okay. We do it, and a lot of times we don't see it. So James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, 
able also to bridle his whole body. But if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by small winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, whether the, whether the will of the pilot, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And then we go to Hebrews chapter 3. And the Holy Spirit, their author, writes to us today as well and says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful in him who appointed him, to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if, indeed, we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in hope. Amen. So what we see is, remember, this is the Jewish community hearing this for the first time. Moses, and we can't begin to imagine the esteem that Moses was held in. Moses was... The only way I can think so right now. Moses was the man. Moses was the, he was, he was, the, he, he, he saw God revealed his name to him. 
at the burning bush. He, he, he led them out of slavery. He, he, he performed the miracles in front of Pharaoh. The, the plagues of Egypt were there. He's the one that spoke to Pharaoh. He's the one that led them out. He's the one that took them to the promised land. None of the failings of Moses are mentioned in here. You wouldn't want to do that at this particular point. He was faithful. He was faithful to all that God told him to do. And the Jewish people highly revered Moses. And now here's this group of Jewish people who have come out and are followers of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is telling them is Jesus is superior to Moses. Now that's big. And that's not just some kind of like, you know, our guy's bigger than their guy. <laughs> you know, it's like you understand who you are. You have to understand what's going on. Jesus, as revered as he is, Ten Commandments, lawgiver, prophet, mediator, saw God, spoke to him face to face, the Bible says, had the glow of God on his face. You could not have a higher figure for the Jewish people than Moses. And Jesus is superior to Moses. He says, Moses was a faithful servant. Jesus is a faithful son. And if you notice, when we went back to the first two chapters, the author is talking about the superiority of Jesus over the angels. Because to which of the angels he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. So it's his sonship. It's who he is in his essence that makes Jesus superior to even the angels. But even over Moses, yes, even, even over Moses. Moses is a faithful servant in all God's house. And when you hear a house, you have to think family. It's like the, the, the house of Atreyu. What is that from? Dune? <laughs> Stuff that comes into my head. It's just like, you know, the house of Windsor. You know, it's a family. It's, it's this, that's what he's talking about. Building a house. Building a family. Moses, faithful in all of God's house. And when you had servants in your house, the, most of them, if you had the money and he did this kind of thing, um, certain houses, certain areas were over, but Moses was over the entire house. The whole family of God. Moses was a faithful servant in the family of God. But now Jesus is faithful over this house as a son. And look what it says about him being the builder. Verse 3. Jesus was counted more worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, this is one of those places you go to. In Hebrews, several places to go to. Jesus is God. One, Jesus has said in his life, he says, I will build my church. Here, the builder of all things is God. Now, you might say, well, yeah, we're building things, but ultimately the builder is God. That's nah, not what it's saying. It's he has more glory because he is the builder of the house itself. Verse 5, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify that the things that were to be spoken of later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. Now, this is what he's talking about, you guys, believers. And now to us, we might go, yeah, I don't know, Jesus is more glory than Moses. Okay, Moses, yeah, amazing, but Jesus, yeah, I, I know that. I didn't need the Bible to tell me that. 
Well, yeah, you did. You just, you know, you know it so well now, but it's from, from the Bible. But what he's telling us here is, he says, and this is the word we really need to look on, is, is consider. Consider. So, if, you know, we're asked to consider things a lot. You know, you can consider. Have you considered the fact that you might be wrong? You know, we say that sometimes. Has it dawned on you that maybe you might be, or consider this, or consider that? You know, it's like it's just almost like, you know, give it a little bit of thought. Just at least think about it. But that's not, apparently from A.W. Pink, he's probably right about this, there are 11 different Greek words that are all translated as consider. 11. So, I mean, you know, the Greek language, you can be a lot more precise with the language than you can with the English language. I mean, we can figure out what we're talking about usually, but we just have to use a bunch more words to explain it. But in Greek, it's a very precision. It's an engineer's language. Hebrew is like a poet's language, and engineer and, and Greek is an engineer's language. And so, you know, you get these two things. It's interesting. And language is an amazing thing anyway. But this word that was chosen here is some kata noeo, and noeo has to do with the mind, to think about kata, kind of what it's talking about here is to, to, to not just think about this for a second, but to, to seriously ponder and consider it, to seriously put your mind to this, dig into this, like, like focus on it for, for a bit, just think about all the things, it's the same word that Jesus uses, consider the ravens, consider the lilies of the field, just think about it, think about, look at this for a second. And this is what he wants us to do. It's what he wants the little church is under persecution, just facing tribulation. He wants Christians who are facing hardship and difficulties. He wants you to do this. You really need to think about Jesus. You really need to think about it. You need to, consider, you need to, you need to have Jesus sort of grasp your attention, just fully be enamored with him for a while. It's like if, you've, if there's something that you're just in love with, something, you know, sometimes it's like you know everything about it. You know, a lot of times it's about a boyfriend or girlfriend when you're young and you have your first, you know, your first love, whatever it is, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, ugh, I know everything about it. Even the bad things are glorious. You know, there's nothing bad. You know, it's just, but with Jesus you can do that and there is nothing bad. You go deeper and deeper and deeper, and he says, this is what you want to do. If you want, to, if you want an answer for, for what's happening, you need to really be able to truly consider who he is, the apostle and high priest of our confession, the apostle being the, a sent one. There are the 12 apostles, but Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. He's the sent one. He is the highest one. He is the high priest. He is, he is the one who prophet and priest. He speaks to us from God. You want to know what God says? Listen to Jesus. Jesus even says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're different, but they're the same. So if you see how the, Jesus acts, the Father would be the same way. So you have a prophet that is the mouthpiece of God. And then you have a priest that represents the people before God. And as the high priest, he's the one that goes into the Holy of Holies. We've been through this before. Hebrews is going to get really more into this. But he represents God. He represents the people to God. And he says, did Jesus on the cross says, here I am. I am the head of my people. I represent all of my people. And he becomes sin on the cross so that when he dies, we die with him. And he's resurrected, raised on the third day. 
and we raised with, we're raised with him, and we're seated with him in the heavenly places, the Bible says. We're hidden in Christ. That's an easy thing to say. It's an easy thing to hear, but you need to hear what it says and what it means and consider it. One of my, the things, you know, there's a great salvation to it calls to the people who can't feel the chains on their souls. Think about it. If anything, if any preacher worth his salt ever preaches the word of God in front of anybody, it's just like, please think about what I'm talking about. Give it attention. And if he's any good, he's been paying attention to it. Knowing I don't pay enough attention to it. But consider Jesus. What it means that he's sent by God and he's told us what God says. He's spoken in these last days by his son. And he represents us before the Father. He's pleading into the Father's ear prayers of intercession. The world can be saying, you're not good enough. You need to be killed. Satan and his demons say, that right there is unworthy. He needs to be done away with. You can't use him. You can't use her. Your own flesh is going to say, I'm unworthy. I can't do this. Who are they? Am I? I can't do this. And Jesus says, Father. They're hidden in me. Bless them. Bless them, bless them, bless them. And it doesn't mean prosperity. It means give them grace. Give them more faith. Give them strength to move forward. Help them to know who they are in me. But before he gets to this, before he opens this thing, of course, with that therefore, he's got holy brothers. Holy brothers. Now, the word brothers, you might, if you have an ESV, there's a little footnote that says it means brothers and sisters. If you have different translations, it might say brothers and sisters. Some might say siblings. Um, there's all sorts of ways this word can be translated like that. Um, so I looked it up. I was reading about this. It's like, okay, I keep seeing it. And it's like, let me do a little bit of research actually into this and say, you know, does this really mean men and women or is that something we kind of do today to kind of help, you know, the Bible not look so bad or something? Um, and it can mean brothers and sisters in the plural. <laughs> Whenever you talk about it in outside writings, outside of Scripture, in just the way the Greek language was used back then, um, they would use and say brothers, and it would mean siblings. But it is addressing brothers. It meant brothers and brethren, and so it did tend to be focused on addressing the men. But it also included the women. And women aren't left out of Scripture. Women have a high role in Scripture. So this is believers. And I was struck, started thinking about it. It's funny the things you, yeah, it's funny the things I think about, I guess. We were talking the other day. Was it you, me, Rob, or somebody? It was like about, you're welcome. It's like, what's that mean? Is that thank you? Because I was saying, you know, it's like, you'll say thank you. We got a bad habit of going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, what? That's, that's not a response. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like, you're welcome. So we said, what is a response to thank you? I'm going to lose my train of thought, so bring me back. So it's like, what is, you know, what does it mean? And so we said, well, you should say, what's the best thing to say? We came up with my pleasure. And then we figured out, who is it? Chick-fil-A, that's their thing. I didn't know that was their thing. But yeah, so, so you know, saying my pleasure when somebody says, thank you. Now, what was the point of this? You're the one responsible for bringing me back from this rabbit trail. I'm never going down a rabbit trail with you again, Rob. It'll come back to me if I just start over from... Brothers and sisters, words have meanings. <laughs> Replay the tape. It's all right. It's a cool thing to think about. Thank you. Oh, because of the things you think about. All right, holy brothers and sisters. <laughs> Somebody go to the Facebook page. Somebody knows the answer to this. All right, so holy brothers and sisters. That word, brothers, 
is brethren. It came to me. So that when we say, it's funny how the things you think about, the word Christian. I don't really know what they had to do with each other. But the word Christian, we'll call ourselves Christians. Call ourselves the church. Nothing wrong with this. The people who named us Christians were our enemies. People who said they're Lord Christ. Oh, yeah, those are those guys that follow Christ. And that's cool. We'll own that. You know, it's like I remember at some point Obama said, he'll, well, I'll just start calling Obamacare. I'm okay with it. You know, and that was probably the proper response because his enemies were saying Obamacare so that people who didn't like Obama wouldn't like it. So he said, I'm going to say I'm proud of it, and I'm going to call it Obamacare. And so he went with it. So Christians sort of did the same thing. It's like we're, we're Christians. We kind of like that title. But brothers... I know in some of the more Southern Baptist churches, some of my older Southern Baptist friends, they call, they call each other brother. What's up, brother? What's going on, brother? What's going on, sister? It always sounded kind of funny to me a little bit just because it's not my culture. But, um, but it's biblical. Brothers, the brethren. That's what we're referred to. Paul likes to call us saints, the holy ones. We also were brothers. And look what we're called here, holy brothers. It's the same word, holy and saints. Hagias, same word, Hagias Adelphus, holy brothers. Because brothers has to do with family, house. That's our relationship to God. Brothers. Now, didn't just come up with this because of what happens to be going on, but brothers, we were brought in from the outside. We are the ethnos. We are the, um, the Gentiles, the goim. We are not the original branch. We were engrafted in. We are told to be fishers of men, brothers. Every tongue, tribe, nation. If we don't understand, there should not be judgment based upon ethnicity, skin color, stuff like that. I ain't got nothing for you. You're so lost, I can't even figure it out. So, I don't know what's in your heart. But your actions will indicate what's going on. So I pray for you. If you see anybody mistreated, unjustly, unkindly, mean-spiritedly, without grace, without favor, without love, I mean, say something to them. And if they won't listen to you, you go get two or three other Christians and you go with them. Matthew 18. If they won't listen to you, tell it to the church. Bring it to the session. If you're a church and you have a, you have a pastor who is like that, church, rise up. If you're in a little Baptist church and the pastor wields all the power, leave. Don't stand for that kind of stuff. If there's an elder on your session who's racist or mean-spirited or bigoted or angry or something like that, and he's controlling, get him out or leave. That's on us. That is on us. If there's a member in your church, a member of your family, and they have that, you've got to speak to people with love. You have to speak to people, but teachers will be held to greater responsibility. You've got to hold people accountable. When you see it, say something. In love, but you have to love the Lord Jesus Christ the most. And Facebook ain't the way to do it. It's faceless. Be a man. Be a woman. Be a person of God and stand up for what's right and stand up for what's true. And then there's love. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there's love. So you have to do these things in love. But we're called brothers, holy 
brothers. And we're fishermen. We're supposed to be trying to make disciples. We're supposed to be trying to get people to be like Jesus. And you're not going to get people to be like Jesus if you're not like Jesus. You had to be like Jesus. You had to figure out what that means for you in your life and how you do it. And you be like Jesus in the ways that you're called to. Have the mind of Christ. Have the attitude of Christ, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And we're called to be fishers of men. And I've said this a lot. It's just You just had to remember that New Testament fishing and Old Testament fishing is with nets. Okay? You throw the net. You bring it in. And whatever fish you get, that's what we're to take. You don't fish with lures. Now, I know they were fishing for particular types of fish or something like that, but when we're fishing, it's a net. And if we start trying to get a particular type of person, and I don't think for our church, I don't think it's such a racial thing. I think for us, it may be socioeconomic. It might be education. It might be... Something about the way they act. It could be, you know, we all have our little things that we don't like about certain people culturally. And it's all different. And we just have to overcome that. And see each other as image bearers. And to know that whatever I don't like in another person, imagine how God sees us from his holiness and still loves us and calls us into his, his family. And that's what we have to do because we're supposed to be holy brothers. We're brought together out of the world into his kingdom, into his family. We have a heavenly calling. We've been called together by God. We're going to come to the table, a heavenly calling. Consider Jesus. Think on him, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him, who appointed him. And then we go down to verse 5. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were spoken of him. And in John 546 Jesus said to the people if you believed Moses you would believe me for he wrote of me so what the author of Hebrews is telling the people is Moses preached about Jesus you're following Moses by following Jesus they're not these people who kicked you out are faithless false brothers that Peter, I think, has says, or have come in to spy out our freedom. The pseudo-Adelphites, the false brothers who aren't believing in Christ. It is Christ and faith in him that makes us brothers. We are his house, his family. That's us. If. This is the Hebrews is good for this. Chapter 2 starts off, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. What would make somebody drift away from the faith? Persecution, hardship, trials, difficulties. So you better pay much closer attention. You start chapter 3, you better consider him and you're his house if we hold fast, hold fast, cling to. Don't let it drift away. You hold to your confidence and your boasting in our hope. Our boasting in our hope. Are we boasting in our hope? 
Is that what we're out there saying? For me and my house, we serve the Lord. We love the Lord our God. God is in control. You guys need Jesus. We need to figure out a way. And I don't even want to say things that we need to be saying. We just need to be saying it from a spirit of Christ. We need to be saying it to ourselves and to one another and to the world. And the world is going to try to identify the problem in a way that the world's going to be able to take care of it. And you've got to be careful of that. And our flesh is going to identify the problem in a way that our flesh is going to be able to take care of it. And you've got to be careful of that. Demons are going to try to identify the problem in a way that demons can take care of it. And you've got to be aware of that. But when the Lord helps us to identify the problem, it will be in a way that only the Spirit of God can take care of. You diagnose your problem wrong, you're going to get the wrong prescription. And that's very important for us to be thinking about today. What is our problem? Where is our sin? Where are we falling down as Christians? Don't let the world tell you what it is. Don't let politicians, don't let the news, don't let the noise coming in your head from the outside world repeatedly 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 giving you one view of what's happening get it from the word of God and the Holy Spirit from the things you absorb and see around you as you examine these things in the light of Christ we're going to come to his table and what he's going to say is if you're not loving each other if you're not caring for the poor it's not the Lord's Supper that you're eating He's the focus. And we had to be thinking about, about him. Or we'll sink in the water. Let's pray. Father God, these things are too much for anybody. Um, can't watch this stuff for long on TV. It just, it, it makes me mad. All of it. And then I hear the responses to it. And it makes me mad. And then I hear who everybody's mad at. And it makes me mad. Help us, Lord, because the, the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we're offended. I'm offended by things that, that I probably am guilty of every day. And you let me live. And you let me be a preacher. And you let me know that when I walk, it's by grace. That it's by mercy that I'm able to get up in the morning and do what I do and think about these things. And the only thing I can say I possibly am able to do it is because you just are, are ridiculous with your grace. So help us to be that way. Help us to see these things on TV and to know that our tongue produces that in ways that we don't see. Help us to see image bearers who have fallen. Help us see image bearers who are manipulated. Help us to know that we are image bearers given the Holy Spirit who are still manipulated, but if we just resist the devil, he'll flee from us. The only way to defeat the darkness is to be the light. We have to be the light. We're the church. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. It gives light to everyone in the room. So it would be clearly seen that our works are carried out in Christ. Whatever we do, say, think, feel, whatever response we have, Lord, help, it to be, help us to think about Jesus first. Then we'll stand out. And that can cause trouble. Even so, Lord, come quickly. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.